When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's do it, dude. You were so excited off air to talk about the Ukraine, Russia shenanigans. I, well, I, I don't, I don't actually know anything. Here's let the, it rip, dude. You were here's turnt. all that I said. You know, here we go into World War Three. Uh, back in high school, I remember being very confused about Vietnam and the Cold War and not understanding it and going, "This doesn't make any sense." So many other wars make sense. Like, what's this Vietnam thing? And what I eventually came to is that uh, the reasons that we got involved were embarrassing. And so, and the reasons that anyone would oppose America were, uh, in this particular case, not ones that we wanted to talk about. So the war didn't make sense. Now, what I'm about to say is not a defensive, I actually have no idea what's going on in Ukraine, but I had the same feeling, which is, I think a lot of people are asking, why is Putin doing this? Mm -hmm. Why is he invading Ukraine? What, what sort of, uh, comic book villain is this guy? And I don't know the answer, but every single source that I go to, whether it's CNN or Fox News, you know, you he's a nut it. job. Uh, he every single thing I read is, you know, historical revisionism. Like I can't be trusted for a paragraph to not have the answer that he's a bad guy forced down my throat. If I was to to give him uh, the most unjudgmental explanation of something that is potentially possible is that he has been resisting the expansion of NATO, which to us is often like this friendly military alliance, but from his perspective is missiles pointed at Russia. And in his speech that I saw or read quotes of a little bit, he's like, imagine if Russia, which we did at one point in Cuba, had missiles within miles of your border, how would you react? And the answer is we almost started World War III back in the Soviet missile crisis. Um, And so he's been not wanting Ukraine to join NATO because that means NATO forces right next to Russia. And we've expanded NATO since um, many years ago, apparently Latvia. I don't know. Why wouldn't he want that? Because he he knows that Russia is dangerous and NATO is the good guy, right? So why wouldn't he want want NATO troops (laughs) next to Russia? This is my point. It's just, I'm not saying he's good or right or wrong. I'm saying that there's... uh, when I started getting this wave of consensus, I my red flags of propaganda went off. That's not to say that there's not truth in there or that what he's doing isn't something that we might want to resist or stand against. Well, sorry, I do want to say off air you mentioned he also has said in the past, don't do this. Yes. He has said, we're cool as is. If you try to get Ukraine to have NATO forces and NATO missiles— I will push back. Mm-hmm. He's on the record having said that. I, I, and then believe, we went, I mean, again, according to the art, these articles that... And then we went, cool, we're going to do that thing that you said not to do. Which, to be fair, uh, that's negotiation or that's, world politics or whatever. It's often ignoring... We, I'm sure we ignore the leaders of North Korea yeah. all the time. So it's not necessarily bad to ignore, but... I just noticed, and I noticed this with China back uh, months ago, you know, when there was just total agreement that China is horrible from Fox and and CNN. Uh, that's that's not to say that this is an issue that doesn't have another side. Mm-hmm. And I think often we, uh, you go, oh, well, it's the left and the right, and nobody, the, not there's not a single claim on truth, and you're going to have to check more sources or be a little bit more critical. Uh, but when you get waves of social media, left and right American agreeing, that that makes me go, wait a second, like um, that that doesn't mean that truth has been found. That's all. And, yeah, yeah. and and I actually make no claim to understand Putin or Ukraine or any of this stuff at all. But I just had that same feeling that I had back when Vietnam and the Cold War were being explained, which is like, these awful communists, what makes them do this? <laughs> like yeah. when, when we have so obviously found 
the truth and the light and the, and the best way of, of being. So the NATO thing, if that's true, makes total sense to me. I do have a question because you had mentioned, you know, it's, it's not like he wouldn't take Ukraine for no reason. But aren't there just world leaders that want to expand Absolutely. their powers? Like yeah, yeah, Hitler yeah. doing, trying to conquer all of Europe and Russia at the same time. Mm-hmm. When you look back on it, you go, this, this makes no sense. He wasn't trying to hunt down specific resources on that coast of Russia that he had to get to ASAP. It's like the guy just wanted to conquer everything and spread his German culture, which he thought was the superior mm-hmm. culture in the world. So there are world leaders who do just conquer because they're trying to expand their countries footprint on the map yes personality traits can define uh policy for massive nation states for sure and, and i'm not saying that that is an impossibility all that i am trying to notice that there was a wave of agreement about russia bad mm-hmm. and that just made me pause and say do we know this and i found myself nodding my head and having an implicit uh standing with aside that I, I truly know nothing about, which actually, because I don't want to talk too much about this. I really don't know anything about the issue. It brought me to something else, which I thought was interesting, which is uh, I have had an open line of communication with Sadhguru's people. We made a video about him. They're like, oh my God, we like that. They sent me his book. It's got a little signature in it. Mm-hmm. They reached out to me and said, hey, I, I actually don't know what to do about this. Would you be part of this campaign? It's called Save Soil. And I watched the video and according to Sadhguru, uh, the, you know, the first... 18 inches of topsoil are one of the most critical resources on planet Earth to sustaining human life through agriculture, and they're being rapidly depleted, and it's a huge crisis, and if we don't do anything about this, there's going to be catastrophic effects. Could I please uh, promote this? And my feeling is like, I don't know if this is true. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I trust your motives. Like, I don't think that you've got some, like, secret... Uh, company that yeah, you're for, like a for-profit <laughs> soil company soil company but i feel similar to this how i feel about ukraine and climate change and soil which is like this is a big thing that i know nothing about mm-hmm. should i be raising awareness bl- blind as i am about this uh which of course the flip side of that is do you need to deeply understand every issue in order to talk about it because if that were the case like I wouldn't be involved in World War II or, or in anything, in anything outside like my very uh, small sphere of philosophizing like, oh, it would be good if more people had access to clean water. I feel like pretty comfortable yeah. with that. Well, do we know that they don't? <laughs> Are these yes. wells really being dug? Yeah. Yes. There, and there's, there's, there's uh, always true? uncertainty. There's always, always uncertainty. But this one, I think anyone would go, yeah, I don't, I don't know a damn thing about soil. I watched yeah. your five-minute video on it. Uh, your facts and figures could be wrong. Your analysis could be wrong. The trajectory, like technology might intersect in such a way that this becomes a non-issue. So I actually don't know what to do um, in terms of what to say to them. Well, what are they requesting? Uh, could we get on the phone and talk about this? And I just wanted to go in prepared for this conversation. And I, I, I unfortunately feel like my stance has to be, uh, I can talk to Sadhguru. I can let him say what he wants to say potentially on my platform. I can ask him questions about it, but I'm I can't independently say I agree. And there's no way in twenty to thirty minutes of conversation he's going to make me believe that I understand. Yeah. The so, issue. but you're saying you you have enough faith in Sadhguru as a person that you can just have him on the podcast, quote unquote, platform him, mm-hmm. let him give his speech. You go on the record saying, I know nothing about this, but Sadhguru seems like a yeah, yeah. interesting guy, and I figure I'd let him say his piece. That feels like as far... And, that seems fine for I the podcast. To, bro, I have a lot of people. I, this whole platforming idea that I can't have someone on that I might disagree with or... We already have. I already have. In fact, that I disagree with. I've most disagreed with them <laughs> it on feels air. Like a lot of people that I disagree <laughs> with. Um, Often the more popular episodes are people I disagree with. The ones where I agree on everything don't seem to do yes, as well. But he might not have time or space for that for our podcast, and they might want us to do an independent thing, in which case I feel like I have to say, well, I we, don't. We just did it. Sadhguru is concerned about soil. Sad, Google yeah, Sadhguru soil yeah. if you want to learn more. We know nothing about this issue. Yes. Bam. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll, yeah, then I can say, sure, we can chat. <laughs> We've already done it. <laughs> I just can't offer you much. Um, yeah, I feel... I feel appropriately constrained when it comes to these massive issues. And um, while I appreciate that some people don't and just go out and do things, I do wonder if we could use more, hey, do we, do we really understand this? Is this the well, case? Well, there's some the I get behind thing? just because I think I get it. 
and maybe I'm stupid, but I donate to charity water because I'm under the impression people need clean water and don't have it. And yeah. I just veil of ignorance and go, if I didn't have access to water and I couldn't go to school because I was getting buckets of water, mm-hmm. would I want some guy to donate a non-meaningful sum of money from his perspective to yeah. change my life? I go, yes. And I felt similarly, there's a there's a charity where you can buy rainforest just to have it not get chopped down. Oh, yeah, so what you do is you basically buy the... Like if, if rainforest were a chunk of land, you buy the fence area along it so that truckers and loggers have Can't a hard time it. getting yeah. through. Basically, it's actually pretty cool. So if you're trying to protect, let's say, a square mile of land, you yeah. don't have to buy a square mile of land to protect that land. You just have to buy enough of it in a weird enough pattern that it's people that are it. trying to yeah. till the land can't do it effectively because they can only take small chunks out of the square mile. Mm-hmm. And I donate to that and I go, this just seems... Like, I can understand it intuitively. We want trees. They make the air breathable. Yeah. Let's save the rainforest. I don't I don't have a deep knowledge of it, but I go, yeah, it kind of makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Feel that like. one so, I've always, I was like, look, they're going to get the trees somewhere. And perhaps the rainforest is more biodiverse and we don't, we'd prefer not to. And it rather just have a tree farm. But like, we're not demanding less paper products or. Well, we are. Are we? Compared to 20 years ago? Yeah, on accident. We're, oh, on accident. As a result of protecting the rainforest. Sorry. Like, this is this does not affect demand at all. Yes. Sorry. My impression from that project is that it's be better to incentivize people to just grow trees on a tree farm yeah. and leave the rainforest alone yeah. than go to the rainforest for trees. It does seem like the best way to make lasting change is to, is to put it in people's economic interests to do yeah, the right thing. Yeah, we talked thing. about this with slavery. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you'll get people to do the right thing if it benefits them. And if it doesn't, really hard <laughs> yeah, yeah just make it uh, yeah what what is the number one way to end slavery you can advocate for it but the best thing you can do is just make it so that people can make just as much money without slaves yeah and then they'll and then they'll go oh my god i suddenly realized yeah. not that we have factories <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, this was wrong all along how could our ancestors have done this so obvious so i'm just flying along here unless you want to fly comment on either fly. i was driving to the gym and in front of me was a u-haul truck and on the back of the truck, we, I wonder if I can get Justin to pull it up, was the most crowded design I've ever seen. And it had like, here's the phone number, here's the price, here's the logo, here's three things, like high suspension, like, you know, just all of this stuff. And it occurred to me from like, from a marketing perspective, this is horrible. Mm-hmm. This is so poorly done. And then I realized so many jobs in the world are done really terribly by people who don't know what they're doing, but are collecting a paycheck sure. to do it. Like somebody designed that Mm -hmm. and then people spent money on paint to print that on thousands of u-haul trucks and not make more sales as a result of it instead of a single effective call to action based on what they might do is make more sales than a blank u-haul and so they look at it as a win even though it's not as good as it could be yes but i i like just a simple phone number or Want the cheapest way to move? You know, like well, would, people don't know. It's just for people who don't know marketing. One call to action is always better than several, and and a clean call to action is always better than a rambling jumbled one. And you got to get in your customer avatar's mind, which is who's looking at the back of the U-Haul. Me for a few seconds while I'm stopped at a traffic light or driving behind it on a highway. What is my uh, receptivity to read? I've small got three seconds yeah. on this thing. I've got three what seconds. What am I capable of capturing? Uh, the colors of the brand, which are important. You know, I get the sense like U-Haul as a brand has done a good job, but all of whoever designed that, shame on you. And they didn't listen to marketing <laughs> step-by-step. They've never gone through the program. They don't know any better. Yeah, so that that was just thinking. I was like, wow, this was somebody's job. <laughs> and they did such a bad job of it. And there's no oversight, I'm sure. Nobody's checking. Like the company's doing fine. Well, that's the best part. I've always thought that the, that would be the best job in the world to be billboard advertising. Mm-hmm. Because if you do advertising on the internet, everything's trackable, right? They, they have UTM codes so that people yeah. can know exactly how many sales you get. But if you're doing a TV commercial, no one knows. No one knows how effective your Super Bowl commercial was. You just get a giant budget, get some exposure, and people think, oh, that worked out. Yeah, It's got to be the best job ever. Yeah, No accountability. <laughs> you just get, well, and then, of course, people shift from that sort of advertising to the advertising that has accountability much i mean dude it's been years and people are still spending way more for tv ads than for youtube ads or internet ads is that true is that is that still higher i don't know i think so that's my impression yeah i I, i'm not i'm not certain uh i I, well certainly you're paying less purview i mean think about this how much ad sense do you make on a video compared to the super bowl per ad yes it seems like more how many views do we get in a month on charisma command 
let's say five to ten million. How many views does the Super Bowl get? I don't know. Let's look it up. Let's look at you want to do the math. Well, I'm just thinking one Super Bowl commercial is tens of millions of dollars. I thought right? it was like three million dollars. Is it three? Okay, three million dollars. So let's see how many. We're making views. all of these numbers up, just so you know. So we're going to come to wrong conclusions based on <laughs> based on having the wrong numbers. So we beat on boats against the current. All right. I have uh, one that'll infuriate you. Do you feel like being infuriated? Always. Good. Do you know who De'Aaron Fox is? No. NBA player, Sacramento Kings. Borderline all-star. He announced his swipe of the Fox NFT <laughs> mid-December, and he called it a high-utility NFT collection. Yes. The reason why it's high-utility is because it comes with a metaverse basketball court, okay. a scholarship to a University of Kentucky student, chances to win all-star game tickets, and much, much more. And much more. Okay. So mid-December, he pulls in $1.5 million. February 23rd, project shuts down without warning. <gasps> Just says, I, me shocked. his reasoning was, this is more time consuming than I thought it would be. And I have an NBA season to play. <laughs> so I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. The guy is set to make, just on his NBA contract, not counting sponsors, in the next five years, $161 million. Yeah. As far as I can tell, he is not offering refunds for the $1.5 million you, you, you can't, that he got. As far as I understand. From like his fans. What he is offering, if you bought five NFTs, not one, but five, which would cost $1,300, <laughs> he'll send you a signed jersey, which is worth a lot less than $1,300. Yeah, I mean, Coffeezilla does these videos all the time. Lana Rhodes just did the same thing, got tired. I am disgusted. Well, that's an important, I wanted you to bring that up. Lana Rhodes did the same thing. There's this new trend where you can launch an NFT, make a bunch of promises, decide this is more work than I was expecting, shut it down, and keep all the money. It's an incredible trend. And also, it seems like suffer no long-term reputational damage. I'm actually, I've been, not disillusioned, because I suppose I know this. We just said, the only thing that keeps most people do, considering what would be right is the cost to themselves. And people can consider long-term future costs to themselves. So that's why people don't always take short-term shortcuts, because they know the reputation will be damaged. But when you remove that, the level of thoughtless, it's not criminal, thoughtless, exploitative behavior that just becomes commonplace and easily excused and instantly forgotten about is so high. Yeah, that I, w I wouldn't have brought it up except for you'd mentioned that Lana Rose did the exact same thing, yeah. which, I, which means that it's probably a trend. Of, yeah, no, she didn't like some of the comments she was getting. So she so collected she, all the money. Yeah, <laughs> and she then stopped. Went, I don't want to run this community. Some, some of these people are mean to me. I really want to talk to these people and ask them what is going on. And I, I suppose, and so, people out there might not like it, probably a lot like the conversations I have with uh, people that eat meat. <laughs> and you talk to them like, yeah, it's probably not right. And they just, but there's no cost. So they go, what do I care? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, like I'm just going to keep doing this. There's not a strong, we don't, we haven't trained clearly a strong moral instinct into our society. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I just think it's fascinating because to him, normally you get some influencer who's doing it and they will in I, a year. I can't really blame him, by the way. Bro, somebody approached him, said, yo, can we use your name? Yeah, yeah. He said, sure, course. I don't care. He said, it's going to make a million and a half. It's going to be great. And then they said, hey, we need you. He went, what? <laughs> I agree. Buy back your NFTs. Yes. Say, I, yes. hey, I promised this was going to be a high value NFT roadmap and I released the roadmap and I used my Twitter and my Instagram to yeah. promote Swipe of the Fox. I was heavily involved or someone on my social marketing team was or heavily involved. I granted people the permission to to use my likeness and name. Yeah. I don't feel like doing this. Dude, respect. Yeah. If you don't feel like doing it, don't do it. So I'm going to take $1.5 million, which is how much the project made. I'm going to use that to buy back the NFTs and it'll be like it never happened. Yeah. Instead, you own the NFT. You don't get any of the benefits promised with the NFT. And they keep your money. If we had a community program, a coaching program that we had pre-sold and then stopped, we'd refund everybody. I know. So that's it's, what I'm saying. I get, I get why De'Aaron Fox wants to practice his jump shots and not <laughs> do the swipe of the fox crap. Of course, he's going to make $161 million. Have you, but just buy back your NFTs. You haven't listened to a lot of the CoffeeZilla or watched a lot of the CoffeeZilla stuff, I take it? Because he has this, there's this guy, Ice Poseidon, and he gets him on the phone, and he's ridiculously candid about the yeah, same type Ice of thing. Yeah, but Ice Poseidon, I think, made life-changing money and isn't rich, right? It was the same thing of give the money back. Yes, but De'Aaron Fox is going to make $161 yeah. million dollars not including sponsorships. Mm -hmm. So you don't really need the $1.5 million. Yeah, it would gross. be 
effortless for you to write the check to get those bought back. Ice Poseidon basically said, I don't mind screwing people because this changed my life. Yeah. And I'm saying if Ice Poseidon had $160 million, it's not life-changing anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's my only thing. It's just, I get why you didn't want to do this program, but buy back your NFTs because there's no high value roadmap anymore. Mm -hmm. We'll see, maybe you will. This literally happened yesterday. So maybe you'll see this podcast and it'll change his behavior. (laughs) He'll buy back all the NFTs. Yeah, all the NBA players watching our podcast for sure. Uh, Yeah, the NFT space is, I have said this, I will repeat, I think the NFTs are going to play a prominent part in the future. Right now, the primary market that they've disrupted is fraud and gambling. And that's, that's where, where most of them sit right now. Semi-related. Somebody was telling me, Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk launched a book called like 12 and a half or something. And there was a, if you buy 12 books or 12 and a half books or something, you get access to the next NFT drop and X, Y, and Z things. And of course that's a play that has been done for a while. Tim Ferriss did it for four hour work or four hour body, buy 20 copies of this book and you'll get these things. It's, it's just such a shame that there's so many things in the world, which perhaps initially were started as authentic signifiers of value, like the New York Times bestsellers list, which was meant to signify people like this book. And yeah. you can tell because people only buy one book, right. so which it's not, is just it's not baked be, into the process. It's not meant to be people like this author. It's no, meant no. to be pe- this book yes, is something is that people worth your time like. to read. Yeah. And then people see that and they go, how can I corrupt this signal with my shitty book? Not that, corrupt. Not, how can I get this signal sorry. without having to write a book that is necessarily on its own merit going to get the New York Times bestseller signal. So uh, the word that I'm using is what they're doing, <laughs> not what they're thinking. Yeah. Because what they're doing is they're corrupting the signal. Well, that's not what they're thinking. What they're no, thinking no. is my book isn't necessarily on its own going to be a New York Times bestseller. I sure would like it to be. Yes. And how can I, how can I do this without actually writing a book that people want to read? Because that would be way hard. It is. <laughs> it is to, hard. to write a book that people recommended to 12 of their friends is way harder than getting people getting to buy, people 12 to buy this themselves. so they could join my speculative NFT drop. Uh, you can tell I'm, I'm, I'm on one today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very bothered by this space. Uh, and it's, that's not even, this isn't even the NFT space, but I think it's, I think it's gross. I think that this is how you wind up with people not able to trust so many things in their life and in the world because in an attempt to get personal gain by people who largely do not need it, uh, instead of doing the hard work to create a valuable thing that people want and spread through their own merit, they think to themselves whatever you said but actually corrupt the signals of value in order to to gain personally and it's a bummer and i and i really like tim ferris and he did it back in the day so i'm not i don't want to say that um pull my punches too much but there's yeah there's been things of his that i uh haven't liked that was one of them though i generally do like a lot of his stuff and a lot of what he stands for so yeah do you want to have a philosophical discussion of freedom or do you want me to just continue to incense you? I've got two, ne- two next topics. <laughs> let's, your call. I have some things that piss me off today. So let's just keep going. Okay. And then we'll do freedom. Jordan Peterson had a, someone on his podcast. Is this the one that I told Greg you? Ellis. Yes. You sent it to me. Yeah. I'm going to tell the story very briefly and then we can discuss just what this means for men in the world. Can I give a preface, which is this sure. is obviously, he's, he's talking to one man and it's his story of his divorce, which is definitionally one-sided. Oh yeah, you we, cut my, ca- that's my caveat. Yeah, we do not get to hear from his, from his ex-wife and recognize that the story might take on totally different shape and perspective if both of them were brought into the same room to share their piece. That's all. Oh, you did my caveat for me, appreciate yeah. you. So yeah, so this guy, Greg Ellis, his story, it's just his story, is that his wife uh, called the police and tried to report him as confused and disoriented to get the police to come and arrest him because she was out of town. He was with the kids and they were, she has mental health issues. They were not doing well in their marriage. That's his story. She just was trying to get at him. The police say, that's not a reason we go to the house just because someone's confused. So they, they say we, he needs to represent a clear and present danger to himself. Or well, she to, asks, she yeah. goes, what would he, what would I have to have said? And they say, well, he'd have to be a danger to the kids. So she calls back 45 seconds later, says, great news. <laughs> uh, I, I called him back after I spoke to you. And on the phone, he said, 
quote, I'm sick of this shit. I'm going to harm the children. That's what she alleges he said, which is remarkably close to what they had said that she had to say. So the police come to his house. They arrest him. He subsequently divorces his wife, loses custody of his kids. There's no evidence, according to him, that ever comes to light that he said that. There's no evidence that he ever harmed his kids. He, according to him, his kids had to fill out child services reports to where they said he was an A-plus dad who had never harmed them. That didn't matter because custody just defaults to the mom and it's almost impossible for the dad to get it. So even though his story is... Well, there's, there's, there's another angle to that, which is in family law, and this is, I'm gleaning this from sort of what he was saying, it's not plaintiff defendant, it's petitioner respondent. Mm-hmm. And the petitioner, the person who goes first... I think has a tremendous amount of power, especially when they accuse the other person of a threat. Or yeah, you're not like innocent until proven guilty Correct. because it's not a criminal court. Correct. It's a family law court. Mm-hmm. So so civil law doesn't need to assume that in the same <laughs> way that a criminal trial would. So yes. if he were on trial for, for assault, they would assume he was innocent. And the trial would require evidence. A preponderance That he had yeah. without, I think it's without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, you're actually right. Abused, it's more than a preponderance, correct. Abused his kids physically or threatened to abuse them. Mm-hmm. You'd have to re- show a recording of him saying so or something. You couldn't just he said, she said. But in a civil court, that doesn't exist. So you actually don't have to presume his innocence and then receive evidence in order to find him guilty of what he's being accused of. So yeah, he thinks that the incentives here are kind of fucked because child services makes money for fostering kids. So the more kids they take away, the more income they make. Also, Divorce lawyers get a cut of what their clients receive. So the more money they can get for their clients, the better, which means the worse they can paint you, the better for them Mm -hmm. financially. So it's just this whole system set up where, according to him, someone says 10 words that he didn't say came out of his mouth and he loses the right to see his kids, loses his career because Because he got arrested and he lived in LA. It's not a huge community. He was uh, in the movie industry. So he becomes unhirable, loses his kids, life is ruined because someone says 10 words that they have no evidence mm-hmm. that he said. And I just seemed, seemed pretty fucked up, made me terrified yeah. <laughs> as someone yeah. who wants to get married and have kids. I went, wow, well, better pick the right person to do that with. Jordan, Jordan made the interesting point that our society he seems to have tipped uh, inappropriately in favor of the accuser recently because there was this fear that you know people weren't being believed when they made accusations which was which, true which that is, fear was true at one yeah, point. yeah there was a there was a over dismissal of the accusations of women against men of power mm-hmm. we've swung from that to its counterpoint yes and i think if you look at you know if you look at the incentive structure which is what happened to the girl on t- Twitter who accused Justin Bieber of raping her and he was categorically proven not to be in the city? Absolutely nothing. What happened to the girl at UVA who was unnamed, who got Rolling Stone to write an article about how some frat guys raped her with a bottle? And, and she named was, the fraternity. Named the fraternity and was categorically proven not to have happened. Yeah, so if people don't know these stories. Nothing. Nothing. So it's like the cost of a false allegation approaches zero. Uh the gain clearly for some people via status or in this particular ex-wife's case, if we accept this story as true in terms of money, custody of the children from a husband that she no longer wants anything to do with, can be massive. Yeah, and I, I think in the UVA case, the gain was, weirdly enough, was just the harm that she could do to the and the attention. Well, and I think actually the attention that she would receive. Well, it was anonymous attention, right? She, she first wrote the story anonymously. She yes, reported it to the Rolling Stones. A reporter was talking to her sure. like uh, that there's I, I don't think that can be discounted um I actually don't even know if it was harm as much as it was like listen to me I, I'm important I have a story and I'm sure she's got her own issues uh yeah that there's there's a an incentive system around accusation what was the Duke lacrosse case she was suing them for money right she wasn't that them going to jail was like a side effect but she was also going I think, for I think money I don't know Duke. the whole thing yeah I believe no I believe they were a lacrosse team at Duke they were well off you know lacrosse players are these were strippers that were probably not no, as well one, off one person one person was a stripper there was only one accuser okay well uh that I think some potential to get paid yeah as a result of it um but not that not that there ought to be um well I, I do think. I, th- I think for demonstrably false accusations, we should have a penalty, which 
Um, and of course, there's there's grades like like you have murder and manslaughter. If you have like premeditated, demonstrably false accusations, there should be a very hefty. We well, just want to be clear that wouldn't have helped this guy, Greg Ellis. No, no, no. Because it's just a he said, she said. No, there's but, no evidence but, for anything. But it would make people consider. There is an understanding that there is no cost that could possibly be associated with this, I think, in most cases. To his wife. Yes. That, that she doesn't, can't think of anybody who had this go wrong. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just that's what I'm saying. If, 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 you don't, if you don't put somebody's own self-interest on the line, they will make decisions that are highly unethical. Yeah. Well, and Jordan's, Jordan Peterson's argument is that the, incentive, the incentives around all of this reward people other than the kids, mm-hmm. basically. That the system is not set up for who he would want the system to be set up for, which is to make sure the kids ultimately have the best chance of growing up supported, loved, untraumatized. Mm -hmm. And this system incentivizes parents to try to turn the kids against the other one because the kids are going to go on trial and they're going to have to say, talk about mommy and daddy and go on record because that's the only evidence that you can get is the kid's perspective. And they get asked child services questionnaires that Jordan thinks are very traumatic to have to go through you No, know, I, I was listening to that part and I thought, what else would you like them to do? Because, okay, here's a guy who let's presume didn't do it, but it's, parents do abuse their kids all the time. And you do need to ask, and like, I'm sorry that these kids in this case might've had to answer some difficult questions, but you need to ask kids these pointed questions if they've been abused and they might not be forthcoming about sharing it. Um, so I, I actually was sitting there going, what, what would you like CPS to do, given that we do have so many abusive Well, I think parents? he's saying the, it's not the process. It's the incentives that go into the process. Yes, It's the enough. fact that you're hiring people who have a certain bias and you have a system that rewards financially if kids are taken away from parents. And so it's like the process gets tainted by the incentive structure, mm-hmm. not that the process itself wouldn't be good if done by people who were really in there to try to just get the best outcome for the kids. By the way, I'm sure some social workers are like that. And I'm sure the occasional divorce lawyer is, no, that's not true, who would possibly genuinely be looking for the most fair outcome instead of just the best thing for their clients. That's not true. They're, I can't think of a single divorce they're lawyer. They're absolutely just going for the best thing for their clients. But in the case of child services and social workers, I'm sure there are good intention people. He's just saying they also are, there are people that just get heavily biased to be, be thinking ahead of time that someone is guilty until proven innocent, which which colors everything they do from the reports they write to the questions that they ask. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and what he's saying is that these are often going tying into his whole thing. And these are often uh, people who have been uh, well indoctrinated in the university patriarchy idea that there's this oppressive patriarchy. And so when they see signs of that, uh, specifically in a family, when they hear that a dad has done something bad, they're more inclined to believe that and less likely to be skeptical or not even skeptical, curious as to, well, tell me more about that. Show me how. Can you give me examples? Why do the kids say that this never happened over and over and over and over again? Um, and if he did say that on the phone but demonstrated, let's pretend that he said it, but has demonstrated zero, absolutely zero movement in that direction ever or since, is that even meaningful at this point? Um so, yeah, I, I watched that, obviously, as a guy, and well, I think that women totally have their own fears that are well-founded of men, which is, like, you could physically harm me. Like, at any moment, you could snap and harm me, and I'm here with you. This just called into my attention. It's like, oh, if you, can, you can mentally snap and explode me. <laughs> you can explode my life in 10 words. Uh, that's really scary. I felt like it did make me feel like, in more ways than I had initially understood, because marriage is obviously you're really tied and you can be harmed if that person is harmed or like, but I, this is giving you the nuclear codes to my well-being. Yeah. And the crazy <laughs> part too is they'd been together for 20 years because yeah. in my head, I'm like, well, you maybe you just date the person for a really, really, really long time before you get <laughs> married. And then you have a good understanding. You have collected enough data to know that you've, yeah. you're partnered with somebody where things will go well. And it's just like every person I've talked to has been divorced says the person you divorce isn't the person you marry. Mm-hmm. And this couple had been together for 20 years before this happened. You yeah. just go, well, shit. <laughs> I literally have no idea how to make sure that you end up with a, in a happy uh, life partnership. Well, I think one thing that doesn't solve many of these problems is that I personally can't, I, do, I don't really 
think I'll ever get married. Uh, because marriage is a contract that has default terms dictated by our culture and our government that are awful for me. And I hope to be with someone who is both intelligent enough to understand that and loves me enough not to want to put me over a barrel in yeah. that way. That won't help at all with the kids, though. It won't help at all with the kids. Yeah. Yes, it won't help at in all with the kids. In terms of custody or anything like that. Yeah. Um, you could make sure you live in Arkansas and Kentucky because those are the two states that default to 50-50 custody. Mm-hmm. The only two states. Well, yeah, and obviously when you're going in, you're not planning on like, you know, when we hate each other. <laughs> well, that's the problem. That's the big thing. That's why a lot of people opt for not getting a prenup or anything like that because they, they're like, this isn't going to be us. Yeah. It's like, yes, just to be clear, you might be totally right. But that's also what everybody said before they became yeah. the us that you're saying that's not going to be. That's my fear. Is that, like, this is exactly on track to be that guy. Because that's what he thought. That's exactly what he thought. There's well, no, what's the differentiator? It's, not that you're, it's all the same track for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my point. It's, like, <laughs> it's not like there's two tracks that are obviously demonstrably different. And then they become clearer over time. It's like just one track. It's one train track. And then at one point, there's a fork in the road. Yeah. And everybody at the start of it, with a few exceptions where you're at your wedding going, this is a bad idea, but for some reason, I'm going to do it anyway. But most of the time, you're going, that's not us. We're the the happy forever couple. Yeah. And then 20 years later, you're in a cop car saying goodbye to your kids for the last time. His, uh, the the line about how... So all the romantics listening to this are so upset right now. <laughs> and this is you can still have a committed life partner. This is not. This is very uh, America specific, and in, in terms of the laws that we have, this isn't about romance. Uh, there's, there's, yeah, or, I'm also saying you're just going to get pushback. People don't like thinking about this stuff. Whenever I see us talk about it, there's always comments of like soulmates and true love, and this wasn't true love, and you would know, you know, if you'd ever been in true love, you'd know that this could never happen in true love. It's a lot of non-evidential arguments for why this can't be, this would never happen to me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Um, So I look forward to reading those in the comments. (laughs) The one line that got me was divorced lawyers feasting on the accumulated wealth of intact families. And uh, just as a, as an industry, I'm sure that there's, there's always all kinds of people in all kinds of jobs, but that the incentive structure is is so obviously to win in these wealthy families, particularly, to say, you know what, I'll start pro bono. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 of course. You know, like or or, or not even like I'll, not I'll start pro bono. You could pay me out of the, our winnings. You don't need to have the money right now. Yeah. Um, if now you lose, I, you don't have to pay me anything. And I do think it's very, very different at different socioeconomic strata because th- this is a particular... Well, that's the interesting part is it's one system that handles a lot of very different circumstances. Yes. Because also I was going, I'm obviously looking at this story, which is about the guy, and I was, you know, thinking of myself, which is what, what could happen to me. But, and I was like, oh man, this family court's rigged against men. I was like, hold on. There's all the, also a lot of these stories, not necessarily as many as this in this economic strata, but of the guy who won't pay alimony or child oh, support. Oh, I'm sure that's far more common. Which is, I'm actually which sure is, it's far more common in terms of per person that there's women struggling to raise kids yeah. with a guy that won't be involved and won't financially help. Mm-hmm. And then for every X amount of those, there's one yeah. of this other type. It does seem like it skews uh, socioeconomically in terms of which gender is likely to be treated unfairly. Meaning you're you're more on average on average yeah, of course of course it's, you're gonna get i buy that yeah yeah you can point in any individual case this might not hold but i think that's probably true yeah that that as you trend towards uh more impoverished single moms are getting it harder they're not being supported they're 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 raising the kids with the dad who might not want to give any money or yeah. or do anything like well, that we all and i think it's important to not combine money and custody because i think the reason people don't feel bad for Dr. Dre, let's say, when he has to, when even though he had a prenup, he has to write a $100 million check, still has more money than God. And it's the m- most excited he's ever been to write a $100 million check just to get rid of that stress and headache that that partnership cost him. And I think there's an argument you made where you just go, well, you, you had the ability to write the $100 million check. You still have $300 million. You're going to be fine. I don't feel bad for you at all, which that, that you can't apply that to custody. Mm-hmm. Like I get that this person's rich, but now they don't get to see their kids mm-hmm. ever. And that sucks no matter how much money you have. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that monetarily the argument goes, look, look, write the code so that single mothers 
get support for their kids financially. Because yes, this is going to kind of be unfair at the top, but who cares? But then the custody laws, there's, there's no amount of money that can help you not feel horrible about not getting to see your kids as much as you want to. Mm-hmm. So I think that, uh, you know, they're, they're not to be necessarily combined. Yeah. Yeah. I, my heart rate went up while I was listening to that. I was just like, oh God. I just had a weird, like for the, for the first time ever, I, I say I'm a determinist who doesn't be- treat himself like a determinist. Like I believe in determinism for everybody, but for myself, I act like yeah. I have free will. And I went, I, I racked my brain and I said, there's no, this is going to happen to one in a thousand people or one in a hundred people or some fraction of people that's small, but unavoidable. And I don't know that there's any possible way to tell what's going to happen 20 years from now. And I well, just went, know, well, they, I they, hope this isn't the roller coaster <laughs> I'm on. They, when asked that question, did not come to an answer of like, what could you have done differently? How could you have seen this coming? And he was, you know, he, he said, well, I did cheat and that, you know, but she didn't know at the time not that that makes it any better, but that, you know, our relationship was not working. I would like a deeper explanation of, because obviously from my position, what are the early, like, can I see that there's two tracks? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude, know, I've like, been looking for this answer. I, if anyone has any good resources yeah, yeah. for this. How do you know that you're on that track? Um, that the, the divorce guy that claims that he can look at a video of you and tell if you're going to get divorced with 93% accuracy or whatever, he says the number one sign is contempt. Yes. That's the number one thing he looks for. He says if there's contempt in your John relationship. Gotten, yeah. That is his, that's the earliest sign he thinks that you're, you can see which track you're on. Well, that's also the track of divorce. And then there's a second track, which is acrimony. Cause I don't, well, actually I was going to say, I think I would go this way. I don't know if I'd be acrimonious or not. I mean, I'm trying to imagine myself in a situation where like somebody that I had cared about had harmed me or cheated on me or hurt me in a way. Like how would I behave in that sort of a scenario? I don't know that you can. I think most divorces are acrimonious by at least one party. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't know. In any event, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, I suppose. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's see what else we've got for today. Worst case, donate to a sperm bank. At least you fulfilled your genetic imperative. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and this is just one because I, I, you kind of saw I was on one earlier. I was just doing some self-reflection. I was like, man, this this week, there's been a lot of NFT stuff this week that has just <laughs> sent me into a tizzy. Why do you think it triggers you so much? Well, this is what I wrote down. Like, why does this trigger me? Because um, I don't, you don't get triggered by like bank fraud. Yes, I think it's because, and this is this is my own ego, is that what I view as my own restraint and my own, uh, let's put it this way. I could, I could make $5 million in two months with a COC coin. Like I have to share with you, but maybe I don't if in this world, because I'm selfish. Yeah, just cut me out. I just rig everything. Um, This Charisma on Command coin, I just want to be clear, is in a separate LLC than the one that owns Charisma on Command. And I own all of this LLC. Yes. And, And I look to my left and to my right and I see not really close people, but, uh, contemporaries, sometimes smaller audiences doing that. And I think it's wrong, but I am, they are enriched by it, unharmed by it personally or reputationally for the most part. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, it's, I'm frustrated that, uh, my restraint. People aren't getting their comeuppance. Yes. That there, that there does not seem to be a justice in it quick enough fashion. I'd like to be, I'd like to be personally rewarded. Now that's not to say that that's a noble, um, 
drive inside of me. You know, I'd like to at least be socially enriched by yeah. this, but good news, you will not be. But I'm not, <laughs> and that's why I get so pissed because I look at it's it. It's not fair, and I mind. know they're going to get away with it. Yeah, yeah. And I know that they're going to get uh, the things that they want and avoid the things that they don't want, and it's going to work, and that the world will be a slightly worse place as a result of it. Darren Fox drops 30 points the game after yeah. he cancels this. He's yeah. going to get a roaring standing ovation. Yes. The people will still love him. Yes. So that's why. And that's not, of course, I I don't want to and shouldn't need to do the right thing simply because it confers advantage, whether that's social or economic to me. But of course, I'd like that to be the Yeah, case. of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, when I feel it's not, I get I get angry. Um, yeah. So, oh, we, uh, we'd mentioned this, but I'll say it. Dungeons and Dragons, we're, we're doing our thing. We're midway into season one shooting. We might have an opportunity for some players. Some of you have reached out in other forms that we've thrown out there before and not answered us. We're angry. <laughs> no, we actually got one really good application. I won't, I won't say your, your initials are AP, and we wanted to talk to you, but you didn't hit our email up, and I'm hurt. And your last name is spelled. <laughs> um, but if there are other people that have uh, examples of portfolio or them doing accents or um, any other way of proving that you're a solid D&D player, I uh, would love to get or in touch. DM. D&D or DM. Player especially, or DM. Yeah, yeah, DM. Um, would love to get in touch and see if you're, especially if you're in L.A., uh, if there's a way for us to work. It's no promises, no anything, but this is a project that we're working on and we like it and we care about it a lot and I want to open ourselves up to as many of the talented people in the space as possible. So yet again, we're going to have another form. Speaking of the other form, uh, I believe entrepreneurship won out on the James form. Is that correct? So I think we're going to talk to James about making something for you guys because we said that that would be what we did. Um, we thought it would be about real estate, which would be more direct. Entrepreneurship is so broad, we're going to have to figure out what to do. But we'll we'll see what what he comes up with, and it'll be available for whatever it does. You know, we'll put it on the channel or on Patreon or somewhere where it's not like behind a course paywall. There might one day be a bigger thing, but this thing will be available. Cool. So yeah, if you're interested in D and D, it'll be in the description. Mm -hmm. We just talked about how you shouldn't do two CTAs, but I'll do a quick one as well. No. If you like Charisma <laughs> on Command and you'd like to contribute as a writer, we'll have a form for you to submit as well. I'm looking to have more people on the writing team. And so ideally you'll have a YouTube video you can point me to, but if not, then a script or an outline, uh, something that shows that you are interested in the topic and have unique insights into what makes certain celebrities charismatic and how people can learn to be charismatic themselves. We're looking for more writers on the writing team. So if you want to be involved in Charisma on Command, there'll be a link in the description on YouTube. Again, no promises. A lot of these don't work out. So just, you know, definitely apply, but don't, don't imagine yourself uh, 100%. One of you could be the next voice of Chris Monkman. I'm just saying. That is technically true. Write the script yourself. That is technically true. That's, that's what would, we're aiming for. In fact, for. that's an ideal scenario. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, let's continue. What else you got? Anything else? The face as well. I just want to clarify. This is a big <laughs> opportunity. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Do you want to talk about frozen bank accounts? Mm -hmm. So this is something I thought was interesting, and I'm actually not going to say it's right or wrong. I just didn't realize that a... North American government would do this. <laughs> <laughs> so in Canada, they're doing the trucker protest and they have started to, uh, the Trudeau said that he had an executive order to freeze bank accounts of anybody associated with the protest. And I'm not going to say if that's a good or bad executive order, but I was shocked because it never occurred to me that I could do something the government didn't like and that they would be able to call Wells Fargo and say, hey, just as heads up, Ben can't touch his money anymore. Mm -hmm. And then I would just be cut off from all of the money I'd ever earned in my life. Yeah. That was really surprising to me that that could happen in a country that wasn't North Korea, China, or Russia. Yes. Uh, also, I think I saw a headline that he, he was going to repeal that executive order. He was going to walk it back because of the feedback. So that might be a more recent update, just to keep in mind. Sure, but this wasn't a proposal he did actually yeah, yeah. sign this executive order and banks were being interviewed and the banks were going i have no idea how we're going to execute this but we have to yeah so we're having a meeting tomorrow on how we plan to do this and he may have walked it back but the point is he did it yeah and biden could do it and well yeah, i mean that's just very surprising that you could if they're in breach of the law don't you arrest them and put them in jail Isn't they're not that... in breach of the law they are they're donating to 
Kickstarters and GoFundMe's that go to people that are in breach of the law. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't know if it's if that's illegal, but you could donate to Kyle Rittenhouse's lawyer, lawyer. defense fund. Yeah, I mean, cause, yeah, because these aren't they're they are doing criminal activity, but they haven't been arrested or even accused of criminal activity yet. I'm gonna try to steal money. Yeah, I'm just curious. Like, let's say that they're in breach of the law, which you can say this is they they oughtn't be. I'm just to be clear. I'm not saying this was a bad executive order or a good executive mm-hmm. order. I'm saying that I am surprised. I went wow. If I do something the government doesn't like. They will just shut down all of my bank accounts and credit cards, and I will not have any money except for the money I've put into Bitcoin and Ethereum. Mm-hmm. That was all. It's not, it's not about if it's good or bad, and if you knew someone was a nuclear terrorist that was going to use the money to end the world, you would mm-hmm. pray that the banks would shut him off of his funding so he couldn't do that. Like yeah. I get that they're steel men. It was just as me going, oh, I thought that this only happened in China, North Korea, and Russia. Yeah. Turns out that if I do something that the government doesn't like, they'll freeze your assets. Yeah, they'll just make it yeah. so that I can't get access to any of my money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't I, realize that was a possibility. Got to learn how to work crypto and all that kind of stuff. It's it's there's this tension because I don't think it's as simple as government bad, government good. On the one hand, so many of the historical improvements we've made have. I don't want to say come because of government, but certainly moved alongside like having a police force and not having to fear for your life from the local warlord and having law and order has been really great for my life and a lot of people. Yeah, that- yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm not on team yet. Don't have police or military yeah. at all. Well, I'm just saying, and on the other hand, man, this government stuff, <laughs> they're pretty crazy powerful and they do some, they do some wild stuff. Yeah, and well, and sometimes your own police force <laughs> or your own military it's, goes against your own one oppressing citizens. you. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I don't think it's as easy as uh, smaller government, bigger government. I don't know that one is better. I, I wonder if it's a more responsive government, a more representative government, a, a government with checks and balances. The founders did a pretty amazing job uh, in building a robust system. But yeah, it's clearly, I guess this is Canada, but there's some issues. <laughs> So if anyone knows how to set up any offshore bank accounts, yeah. please let me know. I don't know even know that would do it, but I don't know. I have no idea how it's just something from a movie. I don't know if that's actually effective at all. Anything else you've got? I do in the realm of the government, how how wonderfully effective it can be. So I do want to caveat, I don't hate the government, but this just happens to be something I saw. The US has spent almost two billion dollars under a program to reimburse funeral expenses for COVID deaths. Financial need as far as I can tell, is not part of the requirement. Dying from COVID is. That is really strange to me because you could imagine some of that funding going to middle-class, upper-class people who have to have COVID funerals, but not people who have no money but had to have a funeral because their relative died of cancer or got hit by a bus. I don't understand why it's just COVID. I don't understand why there's no income requirement. Is it just COVID? This is the thing with any sort of isolated stat. It's like, is that a smaller number than we normally reimburse for everything? I, I don't know how it compares. I, so what, from what I could tell, this is, you don't, this is you a don't unique get, thing. You don't get funeral reimbursements if you die of anything else, of other stuff. Yeah. Huh. And it just reminded me of forgiving student debt in that it's, it like sounds nice, but is an inefficient way to allocate capital if your actual goal is to help people in need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if it is what it is implied to be, which is that it is a unique program only for this particular thing. Yeah, I I struggle to imagine why we would want to do that and not have more need-based. Why do people want to forgive student loans instead of just doing a need-based? Yeah. Or UBI, which isn't need-based at all. Mm-hmm. We've talked about student loans. I won't beat that horse to death. Well, I'm saying it just reminds me of something similar. But the good news is because it's a government-run program, people are struggling to get their reimbursement. So a lot of the money is still being held on by the government. Yes. So if you don't like the policy, good news, it is being executed poorly. (laughs) That's all I have for today. What about you? I think that was me too. Do we have any audience questions? Yep. All right. I like, by the way, I love the U.S. If I thought there was anywhere else to live, I would move there. Mm -hmm. Very anti-U.S. in terms of the policies we talked about today, but on the whole... I do love living here. Mm-hmm. All right. First one is, I just recently got out of a relationship and I have a common belief that it's healthy to have some buffer time between relationships, but giving a specific time frame to anything organic I've learned is widely inaccurate. So what would be some good signs to look for that you think you are ready for a new relationship? I'm not good at this. Mm-hmm. So 
What do you think? <laughs> Buffer time. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't, I guess, I ended the last relationship that I ended, that ended, and I went out and started dating fairly soon after, not a lot of time. But I didn't enter into any, like, well, I did. They, they organically arose. I guess there was one, there was, there was dates that happened. There was one date. There was somebody that I saw for about a month and change. And then they wanted a greater degree of commitment. And I said, that's not going to be me. And so they said, okay, you know, that, that ended. And it was probably four months after that initial break. But that was because they wanted monogamy. It's not because yes. you wanted to stop seeing them or yeah, that you were just doing open relationships and they wanted I was monogamy. Doing, I, no, I, was doing, I was doing single is what I was doing. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like open relationship implies, you know, uh, we're meeting each other's family and we go places and we, like, it was, yeah, it was, but it's not, I was just single. It's not that they were like, Hey, I want to see you every week. And you were like, no, that's too much. I'm yeah, yeah. buffering. They were like, Hey, I want you to stop sleeping with other people and be my boyfriend. And mm-hmm. you were like, no. Yes. Correct. So a little bit different. Yeah. So all that to say that I've, I've never done this and like waited to re-engage with the world. So I don't, I don't really have those signs. Uh, so I'm sorry. I can't, I can't help you on this particular one. I've always just gone out and dated. All right. Next is I'm self-employed and often have 30 hour work weeks. I'm the owner and only employee of three small businesses. I've worked hard uh, working two to three jobs for eight years to get to the point that I'm at. I use my free time to do house construction projects, garden, make art, work out, travel, and I'm always learning. I would love to see more people with my lifestyle, but the culture seems to be either hustle culture or anti-work. There's very little room left for a work-life balance. Hmm. Call me crazy, but I don't think working 40 hours a week than getting shit-faced on the weekend is balanced. This isn't something I share openly with people when people ask, how's work, and my response is busy, it's a good thing, and slow is a bad thing. I'm still working on how to explain it to people. Um, People I'm working for don't want to know I'm not working hard for them, too. So how do we go about changing the culture to accept a 25 to 35-hour work week but still work hard in your personal life? I think there's two questions here. The first is that you're having a hard time connecting with people and you can't really find them. And then the second is like, how do I change a bro- start a broader societal movement? I will say that it has not been hard for me to interact and find people that are on my speed as a result of this podcast and Charisma on Command. It has been incredibly easy for me. In fact, I dare say effortless because there's, in some cases, a line of people that would like to talk to me because they feel similar to me. Uh, because, I mean, we covered this, you covered this in the Mr. Beast video, this podcast and our channel has been a beacon. And I didn't intend this when we made it, but every single friend that I've made in the last seven plus years has come through Charisma on Command in one way or another. And they've been highly aligned with the things that I like. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, they all, they've all become entrepreneurs and love the four-hour exactly. work week and love Tim Ferriss. It's, it's so easy. They all love saunas and ice baths They're and pre-vetted. trying to live forever <laughs> yeah. and meditation and mindfulness, all that yes. shit. Yeah, super pre-vetted. So that was even before the podcast. That was the first Skillshare class we ever taught in person. We met one of our best friends there. Like, so what I would say is if you're having a hard time doing it, um, I wonder if you can be more vocal about it. Can I say something? Because like we have a YouTube channel and you might think, well, my business isn't a YouTube channel. We started the New York personal development meetup Mm -hmm. with a guy, Scott Britton, who was similar to us. And attracted 30, 40, 50, I forget how many yeah, people who were interested in personal development. So they might not have been entrepreneurs, but every person that attended was interested in that kind yeah. of growth mindset type learning. And we hosted the event and spoke at the event. So meeting everybody at the event was easy. And they were coming up to us and they were waiting for our... It was, and you could do that yeah. in your area. You, I don't know if meetup.com even exists, but there's a <laughs> way to throw an event that's meant to be a beacon to attract people and then you if, can say yeah. small business owners you can say personal development meetup yeah. you can choose whatever headline you want that headline will be your light and the moths you attract yeah. will be the people that want that headline and i haven't no it's funny is like this getting shit faced on the weekend i don't know anyone who does that <laughs> like it's crazy i my friends come in i mean okay i know i know people. i know a lot of people that do that sorry i don't have close friends that do you that. you went to a fraternity and so a lot of your old we had a neighbor that did that okay I, we, we moved months ago. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I, I, and he was your neighbor, not mine. Yes. So I didn't know him that well. Got it. Um, I 
yeah, just like think of the more recent friends that we've made. On accident, they don't drink. No, no, it's, it's not cr- It's wild. I'm like, just saying I had a neighbor. I went to watch the Super Bowl at his house, and there was just cocaine out on the table. <laughs> and they even shit-faced the night before. I, I was not invited to They were ripping so they could stay awake for the game. And I was just sitting there sober like, huh, pretty good football game we got going yeah. on, huh? <laughs> just hanging out with a bunch of cocaine. Sure. So I guess no was not the right word. I'm not anywhere close. Yeah, they're not. All that to say that I think that there is a large portion of people, but you'd have to like join the yoga class or go to acro yoga or or, or the meetups that we talked about. Or yeah, what was that party? That, and every city's different, but LA breakers. had a party. Yeah, that Day was at breakers. six in the, the morning. Show up at six with a.m. no alcohol, but you play music and yeah. you static dance and you drink mm-hmm. matcha tea. So, so everybody who goes to that is going to be on your wavelength. I would say participate and host events. You know, if you went to a sound healing event, the number of people getting Fucked up on the weekends. It's also, be pretty low. If this is important to you and you have the free time because you only work thirty hours a week, you could try to throw the daybreakers of your city. Mm-hmm. If you live in a city that, if you live in Nashville and they don't have a daybreakers, just copy or franchise out this daytime once a month party. And by the way, do it by reaching out to people at other cities and getting in contact with them because those are the cool people there that are doing this sort of thing. Yeah, the ones that are organizing yeah. daybreakers in their city are going to be very like minded mm-hmm. to you. So now you have these longer distance friends, yes. and then you throw this event that makes. More local friends. And I, I could underscore this, and maybe one day we'll talk about the details, but I've been really lucky to have my friend life set on agricultural mode where I just show up and pick a berry and, like, an awesome friend is is there. Uh, people want to come on the podcast I'm like <laughs> to, to talk to us about psychedelics and stuff. It's It's been really great. So try to be a beacon, number one. Two, how do we change the culture? Uh, to be, I actually think it's already going this way. I think with COVID, work from home. Well... Yeah, the culture in terms of hours, I think, could change. But there is one thing I think it's worth noting, which is this person runs three successful small businesses. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is cut out to be an entrepreneur. Not everyone is good at being self-directed. Not everyone will flourish in that position. Some people are much better suited to be given instructions and then execute on them. Yes, yes. Well, so those people can do that 30 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. But I think... It's, it is worth noting, like, not everybody wants to or can excel at having no instructions, not being told what to do, no buffers for how much or little to work, and just being told, go, do anything that you want, and if you create value, people will pay you. Mm-hmm. I think that that uh, is something I used to think, and I now realize that that's only, only certain people are well-suited for that. Yes. With regards, yeah, with regards to the, the hours, which I think it can be independent of what you're talking about. You can work on self-directed or other directed hours. Mm-hmm. I think the conversation that I have all had and continue to have is anytime somebody talks to you about how hard they work or hours, it's not anytime because you can wind up being a jerk if you're <laughs> jumping in every conversation, but uh, try work into the conversation or make sure that at least you're thinking behind the scenes that who cares? I am so not interested in how many hours it took to make my, my Mac. I do not care. I care about what it does for me. Mm-hmm. And if you're my client and you care about how long I worked and I produce crap for you, you're being silly. And if I worked for a second and I made you a trillion dollars. I also wonder if this is a bit of a framing thing for him though. Because he's saying people ask me how the business is going and I don't know whether to say slow, which they'll think is bad, mm-hmm. or busy, which I think is mm-hmm. bad. Just say it's going well. Say it's going great. I don't understand. But yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> Am I misunderstanding the question? It seemed like those were the two. When people ask if yeah. it's going well, yeah, I yeah. say it's slow or busy. It's, don't. Just say... It's going great. That's interesting because people, when they ask me how the business is going, I could say slow because my day is chill, but I never say slow. I say yeah, but I also don't say busy. No, I no. Say, what I say how is how is the business going? It's growing. It's awesome. Yeah. I say it's chill is what I say. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty chill. It's. Uh, I say it's going well. Yeah. I'm trying to find a writer to replace myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I always say. No, I say it's going chill. I'm really, it's, it's doing super well financially. I'm. Yeah. Um, trying to put systems in place to continue to remove Ben and I and move to D&D. Yeah, which is so, which is what I, I'm saying, that that frame of slow is coming busy. internally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not, those aren't the only answers people are expecting. Mm-hmm. So so maybe that's the answer, is just from you, in your own little corner of the world, uh, don't buy into the di- dichotomy of slow or busy. You know, it's do less with more. And even with your three businesses, I would just be curious and don't know anything about it. If like, you're, you've got three businesses, you're the sole employee, I wonder if you did an 80-20 analysis of these three businesses, what you would find in terms of where you spent your time. Because I think the thing that makes people work 40-hour weeks is a lack of essentialist thinking. And essentialist thinking is just do more with less. And so oftentimes it's 
cut back on a project or yeah, not saying not saying you client. should. Charlie's not saying you have to. I, I would you, maybe you question. could if you do ten hours in each. Maybe you could yeah. kill two of them and spend twenty hours on the best one and make more money working your less. Yeah, which is what I've found over and over and over and over again. Um, the only reason that I do a lot of things is because I get bored, not because I'm trying to make more money. <laughs> this podcast, D&D. you're a zero to one guy. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, I don't know. Hope that's helpful. That's all we got. Cool. All right. All what right. are we talking about in the Patreon? In the Patreon, we're going to talk about the difference between working through anger versus repressing it. We're going to talk about affirmative action. And then if Joe Rogan has the civic duty to be careful with his words. Cool. Oh, I like that one. I dig it. All right. We'll see you there, guys. Thank you for supporting the podcast. If you want to join Patreon, keeps us going. Uh, Really does help. And I know that we're a little bit under our replacement rate these days. So if you do join, it means a lot. And Justin can continue to eat, have shelter, and not fend for himself in the wild streets of Los (laughs) Angeles. Um, so yeah hope that you guys join Patreon and we hope to see the rest of you there When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.